On today's show, a busy day at the office for the Atlanta Hawks in a lot of different ways. The deadline has come and gone in the NBA, and the Hawks made two transactions on this Thursday. And in addition, they got a home win over the Phoenix Suns. We'll get into all of what transpired, how the roster changes, how they played on this Thursday evening, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1410 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday. And today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Stop throwing your money away with Rocket Money. Cancel subscriptions that you don't want and don't need and go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Also, at the top of the podcast, I should tell you, make us your first listen each and every day here at Locked on Hawks. Check us out across podcast platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. Today's show is actually going to be the second show that I've done today. So if you missed it, I talked in emergency podcast fashion about the Hawks at the deadline earlier today. We'll have more deadline stuff in a second, wrapping things up with more official announcements and some more context and comments and all that fun stuff. And then later on in the episode, I'll talk about the Hawks win tonight over the Phoenix Suns. The Hawks did not play perfectly by any means tonight. In fact, I think they actually play, play below average in this spot. But fortunately, they were allowed to do that because they were playing an undermanned, pretty shaky Suns team that missing a lot of their guys. And the Hawks were at home, et cetera. And with the win, they avoid a three-game losing streak. They get back to 500 on the season and uh, a general good vibes night for Atlanta on the whole. I will get into the game later on in the show. But we're going to start with the deadline. And again, I implore you to listen to the emergency reaction where I give some uh, some more analysis on Sadiq Bay and Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando and sort of the transaction stuff overall. But a few leftover items here from that podcast as well as some, uh, some comments from the powers that be. So, Officially, it does have been announced. Um, the Matthews Fernando deal got actually announced about 7.45 Eastern time tonight. That confirmed the reporting from Kelly Eco of The Athletic that I talked about on the emergency show that the picks going to Houston are the OKC picks in 2024 and 2025 from the Dennis Schroeder trade. And then later in the evening, about 10 p.m. or so after the game was even over, the Hawks finally announced the, the Sadiq Bay tra- transaction. It was a four-team deal in the end, but Atlanta was part of that. And also we found out which picks are going away for Atlanta. It's actually their own pick in 2023, 24, 25, 26, and 28. Again, second round picks, five of those going out for Sadiq Bay. I will say you could certainly argue that it's only, it's quote unquote, only four picks or four and a half picks because the 2025 pick is kind of a fake pick. The Hawks were only getting that, that, that pick, uh, at least keeping that pick if it was actually following in the top 10 of the second round because they had already traded part of it. That's part of this as well. So if you want to say that's a fake pick, I certainly agree with that on some level. Um, so anyway, it's more of a four pick transaction than five. That's a small win. Still, you traded six six picks and you know kind of six and a half picks in one day, but second round picks and all that fun stuff. It talks about sort of the litigation of all of that and how you can certainly argue on both sides how much those are worth, but certainly they paid a lot of prices when it comes to second round picks value, I guess, for what they actually acquired as we'll get into more later on in this podcast. As a reminder, the Hawks will actually have a pick this year as long as the Pelicans make the playoffs. That'll be a pick, though, in the bottom half of the second round, and uh, slim pickings moving forward in the second round for the Hawks. They only traded, I should say only, only half of their second-round picks that they had available, but uh, they traded half of second-round picks available, and they are also famously short on first-rounders now because of the Jontae Murray trade. So a little bit of a, uh, a more empty cupboard of picks in the future for Atlanta. 
I also wanted to pay some, sorry, play some video for you and some audio for you from the post game. Landry Field spoke to the media first after the game, which was kind of an odd situation, but because the Hawks could not announce the deal until 10 p.m., he came out and talked before Nate McMillan did. And I think that, generally speaking, the biggest story of the day is what didn't happen for the Hawks in my mind. Uh, not trading Collins, not trading McDonald's, but in particularly Collins because he met, he had such a national. Um, discussion about him. It's been two and a half years of that at this point in time. So I want to play you some video first here from Landry and Nate, both talking about John Collins in different ways. So you'll hear from Landry first. And then uh, after a brief transition, you'll hear from Nate talking about John Collins. Well, our focus is on what was before us and with John, John's valuable player. And uh, yeah, a guy who's always in, in the media who always handles himself with unbelievable grace and professionalism. Um, like that's valuable for us. And that's something that we, that we adore at the end of the day. And so for him and this team to come out today, with all that noise is good. I thought, I thought John has been aggressive all season long, you know, and it's been a lot of conversation about him all season long. And I really respect uh, the way he has carried himself uh, throughout this season, uh, not listening to the noise that was out there uh, about him. You know, he comes to practice every day and gives a hundred percent, uh, when he plays in the game, he gives 100%. And, uh, you know, so what we saw tonight uh, is no different than what we've seen all season long with, uh, you know, so many uh, conversations about him really starting from last summer. All right, and we'll uh, go on from there. Uh, but, you know, obviously no surprise, like John is well known for his professionalism and the fact that he plays hard and is always showing up for work, good energy guy. He gave a lot of interviews today. He didn't have to do that. So, uh, you know, he's well-liked around the team and all that stuff. And it, it's, it does matter on some level that uh, he's still around. And I've said this numerous, numerous times, I think the Hawks are a better team because they have John Collins on the team. So there's that for now. Elsewhere in the press conference, Landry was also asked what he thinks he's going to be getting from the new additions. And that, of course, is Sadiq Bey. Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando. And here's what we had to say about those guys as far as initial thoughts. Yeah. So starting a little more broad, just as, as we're defining what it means to be a hawk, guys that are competitive guys that bring us versatility guys who love the game, who work hard. Um, we found that, you know, in, in all those guys and they all have their different uh, roles and things that do make them special individually. Everyone's familiar with Bruno. He's been here, the high energy, big, uh, Garrison Matthews, the intensity, the shooting, the flexibility that we can get just in the way we, we're trying to play more of in that point five and being able to move the ball. And then the Sadiq Bay, right? Young guy who's up and coming and gives us a lot of that depth at the wing uh, with the versatility that he has played three, the four, four, three, can guard multiple positions, can shoot the ball uh, in a worker. And so that's really a key to it, right? It gives us a lot of depth. And what we're doing and for our coaches, that's a lot of flexibility going into the last part of the season to see like, hey, whatever's working, like let's go ball games and do that. All right. And uh, he got basically a couple questions about rotation stuff. He deferred those to Nate McMillan. Uh, famously, the front office does not like to talk about uh, rotations. That's a Nate decision. That's sort of that dividing line. So that's part of uh, the answer that he gave there. He got a question about the price they paid, which is not a surprise, and how many second, pick, second round picks were involved in the deal and how, how, how actually how those are actually worth at this point. Uh, I think it was from MC from the AJC. And Landry said that it was, quote, still a lot of value to give up, end quote. And he also mentioned financial flexibility as a reason why they went this route with the ability to keep their core guys together. Um, I read that as basically the um, the admission and just the reality that the Hawks paid a little bit of a steep price when it comes to second round pick capital 
in order to get a guy who is pretty cheap in Sadiq Bay and also not have to impact everything else. One of the more nuclear options, of course, would have been to trade Collins or Bogey, but the Hawks were able to add to their team like pretty clearly add depth and add quality to their roster in the moment without having to take on money. And that's a very hard thing to do. And basically the price for doing that was having to pay all that capital and second round draft picks. I think that, that, that reference to financial flexibility is notable through that lens. Also Bay is signed for next year at a pretty good number, uh, which kind of might allow them to move on to somebody else. Um, you know, I kind of laugh always with, with that term of financial flexibility, but the Hawks of course have um, pretty Clearly, I think at this point, I, I'm sure there are still some skeptics, but the Hawks obviously ducked the luxury tax on purpose this year. That was very, very clear in the way they operated in the last six, seven months. But, um, you know, there you go from there. Also, as far as basketball is concerned, he, I think at least three times, referred to Sadiq Bay as someone who's going to give them flexibility at the three and the four. Um, I know I got a little bit of pushback in comments and responses from the emergency podcast, but um, this is the reality that I saw coming the entire time. But I guess there's a the world out there, whether like he's like a, more of a two, three city Bay is definitely more of a three, four. He's a combo forward. He will play some four. He'll play some three. And uh, that was driven home by Nate and Landry. As far as the post game comments are concerned, he talks about switchability. Um, I asked for clarification about one thing about city Bay playing the three and the four. So that's, that's kind of out there. We'll see what, what that looks like lineup wise. I referenced this on the uh, previous show, but uh, there is some question about how much it might affect, m- might sort of affect Jalen Johnson in particular. We'll see on that, but, uh, at the very least, they add some uh, some depth with Sadiq Bay. Um, just as far as this, before we move on to other things, um, I just want to at least pl- uh, talk a little bit about something that was written today that I shared on Twitter. Um, James Edwards, who covers business for The Athletic and has covered Bay's entire career, wrote about kind of what Detroit did to the deadline and talked about some stuff around Bay that's not the best necessarily. He said people in Detroit um, thought that, that, that the asking price was pretty high on for Sadiq Bay and basically – References like offensive inconsistency and defensive problems and that Bay's going to be looking for extension this summer. That's kind of all I got into a little bit on the previous podcast. But defensively, Sadiq Bay is certainly below average for what he probably is at this point in time. And he likes to shoot by all accounts. All of it. Uh, beyond that, though, the most interesting part for me in that reporting from James Edwards is that he wrote the following, quote, Bay's style of play was starting to wear on some in Detroit's organization end quote. He pointed to shot selection as a potential concern and quote tunnel vision, end quote, and noted his drop in efficiency as he's trying to be more of a shot creator in the last year or two. Uh, I talked about that a little bit earlier today as well, but I'll be interested to see how Bay kind of buys into the system in Atlanta. Um, this is a very, um, it's, it's kind of, I, I have the beholder thing because as I said before, I think that there's a world in which Bay just fits in. And I, I've always liked him as a prospect, even dating back to his time at Villanova, because I thought he was more of a three and D guy. And if he buys into that role, I think that's certainly uh, available to him defensively. He's going to have to get better, but you could certainly uh, point out that he's been playing in a pretty frazzled system in Detroit that might be uh, it might be better impacted in Atlanta. But the concern would be, and as uh, many said this after I actually posted the uh, the quotes on Twitter today, it sounds like Cam Reddish in a lot of ways, um, and that's a guy who the light bulb never really came on for him in Atlanta, and he, and he wanted out to have a bigger role. Uh, Sadiq Bay. You know, you, you kind of have to hope he's going to buy in because if you look at the roster, he's not going to have a huge role in Atlanta, barring some trade or some injury or whatever. Like he, if he comes in, he's going to be the eighth, ninth man on the Hawks roster, and I'm sure he's not going to be thrilled with that initially. We'll see. 
Um, but just all that stuff is interesting to me as, as to how it's going to be going in the future. And we'll see how he buys in. But I thought it was at least noteworthy that the guys who covered him locally and heard stuff about, about that was like, he's, he seems to like want a bigger role. And this is not the move for him to get a bigger role. Honestly, he would have been better off going somewhere else if that was uh, the more prominent goal at this point in time. But from the Hawks standpoint, again, the overarching theme of the day at the deadline was just adding depth. And Landry said the word depth multiple times. Uh, that was that's really the only approach. Like if you just the overarching, like you know, start to finish takeaway is they, they made two deals. They got deeper without having to trade a lot in terms of uh, current capital, and they also saved money. But it certainly improved the depth of the roster, which was a problem all year long. And I've said that a number of times, so you can't really complain about that too much. And even I, as someone who does not like to just give away value, I think the Hawks didn't make the best value deal here. They still, I'm not really pointing that out as far as like, um, you know, yelling and screaming about it. I think it's it's just noteworthy. It's part of my job to give you the overall compensation and the overall sort of comprehensive look at things. But uh, in the end, the big takeaway for me is that the Hawks just got deeper and better and their roster is in a better place than it was just a few hours ago. All right, we'll get into the game in a second, I promise. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money, and the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think that you're only subscribed to a handful of services, you might want to actually rethink that and check it out. And with Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions in one place. Rocket Money, which is formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds the cancels those unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and also helps you to lower your bills all in one place. More than 80% of people have subscriptions that they actually don't remember or just like a stream service that you bought or forgot about or a free trial that you never actually use. And Rocket Money will help you identify those subscriptions and they'll actually help you to stop paying for the ones that you don't really want. All you have to do is find the subscription and actually press cancel and Rocket Money will do the rest for you. No more lengthy hold times for customer services or have an email back and forth with people. Rocket Money makes it easy at, the, at just a one click of a button. And over 3 million people have used Rocket Money and the average person saved up to $720 a year. $720 per year. That's a lot of money saved. And I'm one of those people, honestly. Rocket Money is huge in helping me manage all my subscriptions. And I have a million different things that I have to uh, sort of justify and juggle in the uh, sports world, reading things, watching things, um, all the research that I do. And uh, having Rocket Money at the helm is very, very helpful through that lens. And you can re- use Rocket Money right now. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel subscriptions that you don't want. And they manage your expenses as well the easy way. And you can do it all by going going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. One more time, the place to go is rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. All right. And uh, just broadly speaking on this particular evening, I'll probably have a little bit less on the game than usual because there's so much going on. And quite frankly, the Suns were, I don't want to say not an NBA team, but certainly not a, a quality NBA team in terms of what was available on this night. And I'll just leave with this. The Hawks won this game by nine points. Uh, it was very, very underwhelming the way the Hawks played in this one. I will always tell you that first and foremost, getting a win in the NBA is not a guarantee. You know, Hawks fans will throw out the term must win game or throw out, you know, this stuff about like how you can't lose this team. And I sometimes will push back on that. But on, the, on this night, um, you know, the Hawks needed to win this game. They were obviously quite a bit better. They were big favorites according to our friends at FanDuel in this game. And they should have been. Uh, home, home game, rest advantage, all that stuff. And the Suns were a shell of themselves because of the trades and injuries that they actually have. The Hawks did have some good stuff that happened in this game, but they didn't play well. Let's just say that. I think if I had to give the game a grade overall, it'd be like a C minus game, maybe a D plus. Like it was really that bad. And they were able to win. That's a good thing because you're not you're never gonna play perfect all the time. So you have to get some with you kind of steal. So there's a little bit of that, but uh, Nate opened his press conference by saying that the Hawks were lucky to win and also they need to be sharper moving forward. I think he's right on both counts on that one. 
uh, and they really benefited from playing a bad team in this game. They had nine available players to the Suns. They had a bunch of fringe guys playing due to injuries and trade fallout. So they did enough to win, and that's important to actually go ahead and do that. They could have lost this game. There were times where it was a little bit teetery, but they were able to hold on and win, and that is uh, sort of the important takeaway from that. Offensively, they had a 116 offensive rating. Now, that, that seems pretty good to me, obviously, but in, in practice, it wasn't fantastic. They had a couple of really bad lulls, like the second quarter, which we'll come back to later on, was just an atrocity. They played terrible for like an eight-minute period. Same in the second half. They had one little lull that was like a five-minute period that they just couldn't score. Um, but they did one thing extremely well in this game, and that was rebound. The Hawks dominated the offensive glass and the defensive glass in this game. They had a 40-plus percent offensive rebound rate in this game, like a 20, like an 80%-ish defensive rebound rate. For those of you scoring at home, that's a very, very good number on both sides. They had 20 offensive rebounds and 25 second chance points. That's a very effective number. And that was able to sort of overall uh, counteract ball security issues. The Hawks usually take care of the ball at a high level. That's one of their calling cards. But they had 19 turnovers in this game. That is a ton. And yes, Phoenix was playing pretty hard to like get it up into guys. Josh Okogie is really good at like pressuring the ball, for instance. So is Saban Lee. So the Hawks had a little bit of an excuse there on some level, but that's still way too many, way too many turnovers. And the glass really kind of bailed them out because they didn't shoot it incredibly well. And they turned it over a lot, but they had extra possessions. They ended up taking 10 more shots than the uh, Suns did. And that was very helpful. They got, to, they, they got around the rim pretty easily for the most part in this game. But, you know, taking nine more shots than their opponent in terms of, uh, you know, just field goal attempts is basically driven by, by, the, by the, the rebounding, I should say. And that was a, enough to like kind of boost the efficiency and get it over the top in this game. But from three, they were pretty rough. You know, 10 of 29 is not terrible, but not huge volume and below average efficiency. But even then, Phoenix also shot the ball 7 of 30 from three. So another bad team thing that they benefited from. But they had 14 live ball turnovers. The Suns had 14 steals and 10 blocks. That's going to get you beat more often than not. It just didn't happen in this game. Defensively. They were fairly solid at times. Again, the glass was pretty good. The Suns didn't shoot well, but you have to adjust for opponent a little bit. The Suns didn't have a ton of firepower offensively. They took a lot of mid-rangers as they always do. The Hawks um, you know, benefited from bad shooting from Phoenix, but they didn't turn them over a, a ton. Um, DeAndre Ayton at 23 points on 15 shots. Uh, Okogi had a big game off the bench. The Hawks did okay defensively. They were, at least in the half court, pretty effective. They were bad in transition in this game, at least by the numbers and kind of by the eye test as well. But they, they held their own defensively and didn't get beat too badly. And the big issues were on offense at two different times in the game. And uh, basically the second and fourth quarters were a little bit shaky, but it was enough to get over the finish line. Um, we'll get into sort of the quick hitters here on the uh, on the game flow in this one. Our friends at FanDuel had the Hawks as an eight-point favorite in this one. That was their sixth largest favorite point spread of the season. And the Hawks had not been this big of a favorite in a game since before Christmas. So you're talking about that's a long time, you know, month and a half at this point since the Hawks have been as favored by this by this many points. And again, the, the Suns at full strength obviously would be a pretty good opponent. If they even had Devin Booker in this game, it would have been very helpful. In the future, they'll have Kevin Durant, and the Hawks will miss that because they, they just played the, the Suns twice in like a week and a half. But um, yeah, a bad opponent in this game. The Hawks were up early, 11-4. Collins had six points in a hurry, had four on dunks, and had a huge dunk on Jock Lando right out of a timeout that made the sort of the national media rounds Hawks are up by double digits pretty quickly. Bogey had a three off the crazy behind-the-back pass by Trey that's uh, reminiscent of what happened on Tuesday as well for Trey. Uh, Bogey did have a bizarrely bad 
three-second violation defensively right after that. But, you know, rotation-wise, nothing really surprising. A couple of foul trouble spots for Clint Capella in this game, but it was nine guys who played. It was nine guys that you would expect, and uh, no huge uh, shakeups there. The Hawks dropped by 14 points pretty quickly. At the end of the first quarter, they had a great offensive quarter. They were 36 points on 25 possessions. They were cooking on offense. Trey had it going with 11-4. and He played the whole first quarter, and the Hawks were up by 18 points early in the second half, sorry, early in the second quarter of this game. And it felt like the Hawks might, for once, put a game away, kind of just run away and hide. But then they started the second quarter five of 21 from the floor and one of seven from three. Just some horrific stuff turnover-wise as well. Stagnation in general, just lack of ball movement, lack of player movement, just a lot of, uh, it felt like the Hawks let up a little bit, knowing that they were probably the better team, obviously, in this game. There was also an atrocious traveling call on Trey in the corner that no one could believe Trey, the bench, the media, no, everyone was like, what is going on with this call? But in general, I cannot tell you how bad the second quarter was overall. Now they only, they quote unquote only lost by five. It was 25 to 20, but the Hawks scored 20 points on 25 possessions offensively. That is terrible in any context. They shot 29% from the floor, five turnovers. The Suns couldn't score fortunately for the Hawks, but they were up by nine at the half. And that was extremely fortunate because they played one of their worst eight-minute stretches of the season, I thought, in the second quarter. They were that bad. Against, at least when you adjust for the opponent that they were playing. It started out pretty slowly in the third quarter, but again, another big run to go up by 15 points. Trey and former Hawk Damian Lee were getting into it a little bit, chirping uh, back and forth, back and forth. Trey had a big quarter. Um, I think uh, that he was sort of fired up by the, uh, by the uh, back and forth with, it, with, with Lee at that point in time. The Hawks were up by 19 at one point in the third quarter. They gave some of that back with some turnovers. They had 13 in the first 30 or so minutes of this game. But they had another 8-0 run late in the quarter. I thought that Jalen Johnson had a good stretch at the end of the third, as did a Kong Wu. Um, but that did not carry over to the fourth. It was a 13-2 run by the Suns early in the fourth quarter, uh, where the Hawks didn't score for about four minutes straight. Um, that included A.J. missing two free throws at the line. That was a little bit strange. And the lead was down to single digits with like seven and a half minutes to go. And it was a little bit of a squeaky time for the Hawks. They were not playing great at that point. And that lead kind of hovered in that range of like nine to 12 for like four minutes. Trey hit a bomb that was probably the dagger of the game, a 36 foot three officially by the NBA with about 4.15 to go to go up by 13 points. That led into a timeout and uh, it was never really close after that. Um, there was a challenge by Phoenix right after that play um, on Trey. When, when they found him shooting a three, they lost that challenge. The Hawks were up by double digits, really the entire – I know they won by nine, but it was basically a safe margin the entire stretch run. So if you want to say the game was over when Trey hit that bomb three, I would certainly kind of agree with you on that point. But no matter what, the Hawks did not play well in two of the four quarters in this game. They weren't atrocious in the fourth like they were in the uh, in the second, but the early part of the fourth quarter was kind of similar. And it was uh, – the first time around, it was kind of the starters. The second time around, it was the bench. It was just kind of a – a weird night for some guys and the Hawks did play well with Trey, with Trey on the floor. They played well with the starters for the most part, but uh, just kind of a weird one. They didn't play great again, but they took care of business. And I want to make sure that that point is clear. Um, you know, when the Hawks win sometimes or when the Hawks lose sometimes, I will tell you that the Hawks were better than they might've thought uh, or maybe better than, than it seemed. And I have to be honest with you the other way too, where the Hawks got a win tonight and, you know, uh, three months from now, it looks like the Huns, like, like the Hawks beat themselves by nine points. That's, that's probably a good, pretty good win. Uh, watching the game tonight, uh, watching the Suns, um, watching the Hawks, the Hawks did not play well <laughs> at all in this game. I don't. That's you know important to understand. Context-wise, does it actually matter? Maybe not. But we'll see how that sort of transitions into Saturday's game and all that stuff. But they got to win tonight. 
It's 28-20 on the season, and they're 14-11 at home at this stage. All right, one more break now here from our sponsors, and we'll come back with uh, our player-by-player breakdowns and a quick look ahead at the weekend. So stay tuned. Here's a word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and the only app that you need this year at Super Bowl Party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're very excited about FanDuel as the, as the new sports betting partner for the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're new to the party with FanDuel, that is even better for you. They have tons of great features that make sports betting both fun and easy. You can download FanDuel right now and bet on Super Bowl this weekend with a no-sweat first bet. Get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on FanDuel. They have all kinds of betting options. That includes money lines and point spreads and totals and tons and tons of player props and all that fun stuff around the big game this weekend. And this projects to be an awesome matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles as well. A close point spread, perhaps a high-scoring game, lots of star power with Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, etc. And uh, the best place to find all of the stuff you're looking for is at FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. And best of all, you get your winnings paid out instantly at FanDuel. Join FanDuel right now today at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Claim your no-sweat first bet on the Super Bowl. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, and quickly before we get out of here, a look at the players who appeared in tonight's action for the Hawks. Nine guys took the floor out of the 11 that were active for Atlanta because uh, as a reminder that you probably understand already, um, Nate said, I think as Landry said after the game as well, that the Hawks are hoping to have the three new guys in by Friday and then potentially playing on Saturday, at least being active for Saturday's game. But with Frank and uh, and Justin out the door, the Hawks were a little bit shorthanded in terms of their deep bench. It didn't matter in this game, obviously, but they, they played nine guys. Um, Bogey had a, had a struggle. He was 2 of 12 from the floor, 2 of 9 from 3. Uh, two assists. He looked pretty creaky in tonight's game. Six points. Um, 22 minutes is actually pretty low for him these days. And it feels like in particular, Bogey and Capella could really use the All-Star record right now. Not a huge surprise. Those are the older guys in the rotation, but uh, Bogey looked a little bit shaky tonight, let's just say. Um, Jalen Johnson had a nice second quarter, I thought. Um, had eight, eight rebounds, I should say, in the game. Six points in 12 minutes. He was fine otherwise. Second half, not quite as good as the first half, like most of these guys, but alas. Uh, AJ Griffin had a pretty quiet night. Six points on seven shots and had zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers. So basically he, only, he took seven shots, but it was basically all he did in this game. And he was fine, just the, not a huge highlight moment for AJ. Akongu was good, I thought, off the bench. Uh, 11 points, 11 rebounds, 23 minutes. Had a little bit of foul trouble, as he often does, but one steal and one block for Akongu and good energy across the board from him on defense in this game. I mentioned before, Capella had kind of a weird night. He had a huge rebounding game. 17 rebounds in 25 minutes for Capella is uh, pretty crazy. Had had two steals on a block as well. It was plus 11. It's a credit to Clint that he can actually play well without looking great because physically he didn't look fantastic, especially in the first half. A little bit shaky on Aiden. A couple of uh, weird physical moments from Capella. He, not that he's like glaringly hurt, just a little bit hampered probably and uh, probably worn down, but he, it could have him not play a ton in this game and uh, did his part when he was out there on the glass. Um, DeAndre Hunter had a rough game, I thought, overall. Nine points on 12 shots for DeAndre after a, another rough one on Tuesday. So uh, a little bit of a funk here, right? As soon as Hawks fans started to buy in, finally, the Hunter, um, he's been bad the last couple games. Um, did have six, six rebounds for him is not a small thing by any means, but um, two assists, two turnovers, was plus three, and defensively did fine for sure, but offensively a rough one for DeAndre. Collins was pretty active and pretty aggressive in this one. I think he had four dunks, maybe even five dunks in this game. 16 points for John, had a steal, only two rebounds, so that's a little bit weirdly low there for him, but uh, he was efficient, he was effective, and played hard and well. Uh, DeJounte Murray, 19 points, eight rebounds, and five assists for DeJounte. He had four turnovers in the game. He was fine. A couple of uh, trademark 
pretty pull-up jumpers from De- from Jante. Not a dominant game, not a bad game, just kind of in the middle. And then Trey had a weird one. Uh, his numbers are huge, and uh, when the Hawks were rolling in this game, Trey was rolling. He really ignited the big run in the second half they had with uh, three-point shooting, hit, hit back-to-back threes in that run, a couple of uh, just eye-popping passes as he's want to do. Ends up with 36 points and 12 assists and seven rebounds as well. Um, and so it was also, it was also efficient from the floor. Is five of 10 on twos and five of eight on threes, 11 and 12 from the free throw line. So a good shooting night for Trey, a good passing night for Trey, but he had nine turnovers. And that's half of what the Hawks did on the whole. He had a couple of just terrible turnovers. And I usually put this out just for the record, like Trey's always going to have turnovers. Guys that have usage as high as Trey does, if you look at the league leaders in turnovers every year in the NBA, it's always the best players in the league because they have the ball all the time. And Trey is on that list. But he also had some really bad ball security in this game. So it can be both. Uh, as funny as this sounds, Trey did not play an A-plus game while having 36-12 and 12 in this game. He just, he, But he did shoot it well, and he did uh, have some big moments and big times. And the Hawks were much better with him on the floor, as they usually are. In fact, they were plus 15 with Trey and minus 6 without him in this game. That's uh, continuing a season-long trend for the Hawks. All right, that's it for today's show. We will look ahead a little bit here briefly. The Hawks play at home on Saturday night. They play the Spurs. The Spurs are very bad. Now, just like tonight, I am not going to tell you that the Hawks are guaranteed to win or anything like that against the Spurs because they're not. Um, But it's a pretty fortunate spot on paper for Atlanta. In fact, the Spurs play on Friday, and then they have to travel to Atlanta on a back-to-back, whereas the Hawks don't play in between games. So, it's one of the easier spots you can find on the schedule. Uh, you're playing a bottom three or four team in the league in San Antonio and with rest advantage, and you're playing at home. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if, if we're going to peek at Sadiq Bay on Saturday, perhaps Garrison Matthews as well. I don't anticipate Bruno playing unless something happens, like as far as getting on the floor. But we'll see how sort of that's all handled from moment one. The Hawks might practice on Friday. We're going to maybe get a look at that for Bay. But he's the kind of guy, when you pay that price, I expect him to be at least in the rotation pretty quickly. So we'll see there. But uh, a night where uh, you can circle that one as a likely win for the Hawks, nothing is ever assured. It would be a bad loss for sure for Atlanta if they are healthy in that game and the Spurs come to town and beat them. Because right now, San Antonio is 14-41. and 41. They are 5-20 and 20 on the road, and they have the worst net rating in the league. And again, rest advantage, all that stuff for Atlanta. So we'll, we'll have a podcast after that game, as we always do on the show. But uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, that's one to uh, p- perhaps sneak above 500 for the first time in a while for Atlanta, which would be nice to see. Anyway, please subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate it. We have, uh, again, two shows today. I think we did six this week. It was very, very busy. And uh, I'm very tired at this point in time. So hopefully I'm still making sense. But please subscribe to the podcast across platforms. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roll. Also, also follow my Patreon Patreon.com slash BT Roland as well. I appreciate everyone for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the wall-to-wall coverage in advance of the deadline. And now we'll be focused on the games and how the Hawks project in the playoffs and all that fun stuff down the line. So uh, we're going to be here the entire way through. I appreciate you listening. We'll see you all next time.